day, ladies and gentlemen. This is the radio. Now, this is Brent Brown. We got Matthew Kopecki up in the studio from the Oblio and Arrow, and now the cover band, The Sleeves, as well. What's going on, Matt? Uh, not too much, man. How you doing? Fantastic. Just, uh, you know, the usual waking up at about 11 o'clock, trying to stretch out, keep the, the musical body flowing mm-hmm. a little bit. You mean you woke up like looking like this? Yes, yes, <laughs> pretty much. I, uh, I wear curlers in my hair when I sleep. I... Uh, Cucumbers over the eyes. Okay. You know, the whole spick. Damn. All right. <laughs> but anyways, it's been a minute since we've caught up. For um, sure. What, so I actually haven't got to see your new band, The Sleeves, yet. So who's in that? Is that, like, members of Oblio? Or? Well, The Sleeves, I mean, you know, it's just started for fun, cover band. Actually, uh, looking at a lot, I'd be looking at what the things you're doing, playing out, restaurants, whatever. I mean, you've avoided the daytime gig by doing that and I'm trying to find my way into something like that so cover bands tend to be more lucrative I figured that's I mean it was seemed like an easy goal learn the songs book the gig perform them well repeat you know so yeah. um, that's kind of where that started two of the guys from Oblio are in it uh, Brian Whitebread and Zach Darcy and uh, Zach Biggis who I've played with on and off for many years as well he he was in Oblio but yeah the four of us um, doing that it's a lot of fun we'll be playing tonight Nice. Not that this will be uh, airing tonight. Yeah. Uh, Demito's Saloon in Villa Park. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. So you played at Quigley's a couple times, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a lot of, like, pop, rock, alternative, you know, classic stuff, 60s to now. Try and do some relevant stuff. But, uh, man, it's a lot of fun. And it's, like, a good workout as far as being on stage, you know, um, with the original stuff. At least in my experience, you're doing like hour-long sets, maybe give or take a little bit. And with this, it's, uh, you know, four hours, a couple breaks in between. So it's a nice workout, both yeah, for bass and vocals. Totally. Now, now for sure, this is like, it's, you know, the bread and the butter towards what you, uh, your original music, where your probably your heart and soul is. 100%, yeah, for at. sure. Um, and, you know, I feel the same way, so... Yeah, how's everything with Oblio and Arrow? I mean, I met you guys through my buddy Kevin Praska about, I guess that was like six years ago, maybe five years. I think it would have been 2012 because uh, Oblio and Arrow. Oh, only like well, y- yeah, four and a half. Uh, we were talking about, yeah, it's, it's passing by fast already. Yeah. But it was at the Abbey, I remember that. <clears throat> Kevin was just about to start playing with us uh, maybe a couple months later. Oblio was still four-piece then. and uh, But things now are, are, are great. I mean, we're about to put out a record uh, that's been a long time in the process. Um, we'll be gigging out again soon with uh, that White Buffalo Fest. We'll be our first show back since yeah, and maybe seven or eight months now, just like locked away in the studio. For um, anybody that doesn't know, uh, White Buffalo Music Fest is a pretty cool spot. I'm not even sure if they have tickets left, honestly, but if you want to just... Google White mm-hmm. Buffalo Festival. It's in Amboy, Illinois. Mm-hmm. It'll be really cool. I got a lot of friends there. Pete Jive will be there. Okay, yeah, All he was Oblio. episode one, right? Yes, yeah, yes. I've been tuning in, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Jenna, who is also mm-hmm. on here for the Jenna last Emily? podcast. Yeah. Definitely. The um, Little Birds. They are also in Oblio, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, I heard that, and, um, you know, I... I'd, I'd, been you know i keep posting on the things you're doing so like i was saying uh we 
or we had done the podcast thing, the streaming version of it a while ago. And then when I saw you redo it or start it in this version, I was like, aha. Yeah. And I uh, figured we'd line up sooner or later. Well, yeah, before it was like the live thing was a way for me to kind of interact with fans and uh, I didn't have to have a guest on because I just treated it like I played a show. And then I'm like, well, I could have somebody else on. We could just mm -hmm. jam. But mm -hmm. then it became like, well, the only way this works is if people know it's happening at the same time every week. Mm -hmm. And you can't really then I'm getting that. offered gigs that I'm like, well, I could make cash. Totally. Or like, ooh, this is my only day off. Like, it's it was nice to sort of shine the spotlight on other people and mm -hmm. like, give myself a break and just like let let uh i guess you know in groups of influence uh get to know each other mm -hmm. via the podcast you know mm -hmm. uh but yeah so t tell me about the new album uh the new album uh it's called steps and uh been working on it for quite some time um it's a little it's 10 tracks uh but in the mixing process now, um, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, had a lot of fun making it. It's been quite a process. Uh, right now we're mixing it over at Mike Kriegelstein's place, uh, which you could check out his his solo project. Everyone in Oblio kind of has their own thing going on, too, which is pretty cool. Um, shoot, out of six of us in the group, I mean, almost everyone's writing their own stuff, too. Yeah, which sometimes they brought it in, and, and it works really well for us on stage. Um but uh, Steps, yeah, we're mixing it with Mike Kriegelstein and, uh, you know, also in the group and um, hopefully having it out uh, shortly after White Buffalo. I was hoping to, you know, have it in my hand ready to go for that, but, you know, things happen. But we did um, just film a video for uh, one of the tracks off the record called Finish Line, Sounds of Starting Gun, uh, with Tim Schmidt, who you've worked with Who's as well. Who's amazing. Yeah, he's... He's the go-to guy. Um, we've worked with him a couple times now, and every time I'm super excited about it, and every time seems to get better, too. So um, it's a, it works out. It works yeah, out. It's, is it Timothy M. Schmidt? Uh, if you were checking him out online? Yeah. yeah so yeah. anybody looking to do, like, a music video or something, hit this guy up because he's awesome. But him and I are tight where I can call him Tim. Yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> kidding. Whoa, headphones. But, uh, yeah, so that's a lot of fun. That video, actually, we tried something different. All of our videos in the past have kind of been more so uh, performances, mm -hmm. you know, except with the exception of one. But, uh, yeah, they were just kind of like us playing the song or whatever, more along those lines. Whereas um, this, we took a trip out to Mike Kriegelstein again. His, his family owns a farm up in Lawrence, Michigan. A lot of land, really unique, interesting-looking place. And uh, I had this whole idea of doing a, something up there with his dad. His dad's an older guy. He's done. He's an artist himself. Awesome dude. I mean, both his parents, they've been really supportive of Mike and everything we've done as a group. But um, the idea being, I guess a lot of the songs off Steps are kind of like, uh, you know, the, uh, the name Steps. It's just like, you know, little parts of the, the steps along the way to whatever you're becoming, whatever, you know, you've done. Just... Uh, so a lot of the songs, I guess, deal with beginnings and endings, kind of just time passing or just, like, looking at the steps along the way. And even the recording of this album has been broken up into steps or chunks, you know. Yeah, how um, long have you been recording it? Well, longer than I'd like to admit. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, I'd say, man, the drum tracks we did over a year ago, which is, is not cool. I mean, originally we were, I was tracking the record as a, 
just a demo. We were going to re-record it live as a band. And then, you know, plans changed. I wound up starting it over from scratch. And uh, looking back now, I'm glad that I did because a lot of the songs kind of, I flipped them on their head, trying to make them exciting, feel new again because you don't mm-hmm. want to re-record old stuff or something. And then we've added a bunch of songs, cut away a bunch. So it's it's actually a, quite a different album now. And uh, there's different folks on it and... and um, you know, the, all the while you're getting better, hopefully, as a musician and writer and whatnot. So uh, I, I'm pretty excited about the way it's turned out. Um, but this song in particular, you know, I, I like the idea of, uh, you know, again, beginnings and endings. So the whole idea of uh, the title, Finish Line, Sounds a Starting so, Gun. So you recorded the whole thing and Mike is mixing it, like, at your studio space? Um, or no, we're mixing it at his house. Uh I wouldn't say I recorded the whole thing. I mean, different parts of the band have been involved heavily or to lesser degrees throughout the process. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you, you know. didn't go to a producer though. No, 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 no we did not. Um, everything's in house. I figure, you know, between I mean, Mike, part of what he's been trying to build up with uh, Velvet Vision is like his production company and whatnot, and uh, you know, he's constantly just acquiring new things and new knowledge and. Um, Zach Darcy's also sound engineer. I, I would not consider myself a sound engineer by any means, but I can get around the studio and, uh, you know, I can get the sound I'm looking for, yeah. but I'm not going to be the one to mix the record. Yeah. So most of the production and uh, the ideas, all the editing, all that kind of stuff, I, I did. But, um, you know, there's a, whatever production's left through the mixing Mike and I are doing now, and the group is is there for most of it. I mean, everyone wants to to be there and be involved it's actually pretty pretty cool so so this is like pretty much done pretty much everything's tracked yeah we're just in the process of mixing um the song we did that video for um is is getting knocked out first so we can get it tim and have that video out promoting the record but uh yeah we're we're going through it now and i'd like to have it uh out you know shortly (laughs) yeah so that's uh on Facebook, is that a good spot to follow you? Do you have a website? Oh, yeah. Or? yeah. Um, Facebook is probably the best spot to uh, follow us right now or on Instagram, you know, okay. Oblio and Arrow. Um, yeah, I'll put, a, I'll put a link to the Facebook cool. in the description. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. YouTube, all that kind of stuff. If you want to check out past videos that we've done with Tim or concerts or anything like that. Yeah. Well, uh, I, kind of, I feel like as far as uh, your influences, I, that's always the, a loaded question, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, what where would you say your musical influences for Oblio and Arrow have rooted out of maybe other reference bands that don't know who you are? Okay, um, so that's more like I, I kind of think you you guys are a little bit like a Fleetwood Mac, um, also, <laughs> you know, meets like I I don't it's it's unique it's unique oh, almost like. I want to say probably Mike's influence on it is broadened a little bit of that, like folkier. Yeah, uh-huh. like and you know he's a deadhead, and fish <laughs> yeah, fan. Fish. So that's, oh yeah, it's le- leaked in there a little bit, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, we want to leave things a little loose on stage too, to have room to just kind of get in the moment and and jam too. But at the same time, it's it, it's one of those things trying to find the balance between doing the song as arranged on the record while still leaving some room for spontaneity or whatever if we're feeling something on stage. Yeah. And that's kind of cool and something I've had to uh, get used to throughout because that's, I mean, that's a lot of trust. And I think that just comes with time on stage with these people, which, um, 
you know, I mean, everyone has been with us for quite some time now. The last person to uh, join us was Zach Darcy, who I mentioned earlier. He's also playing with the sleeves, and he's a fantastic drummer and a fantastic dude and really a great, I mean, he just fits right in. So uh, I think things are... How long have you worked with him? Uh, worked with him probably a year and a half, starting mostly with the sleeves, and I think he's been with us for maybe a year, Olio and Arrow. Um, yes. But I've known him more or less for, or known who he was for a couple of years. I we used to gig with one of his old bands, uh, the Heavy Machine. Uh, you remember them out of Aurora, mm-hmm. a solid trio, and yeah. uh, we play with them. And there was a lot of elements about that band that I liked and still like. Um, but uh, you know, he stuck out as a drummer right away. I was like, oh, he's got that kind of Keith Moon thing going on, which he, uh, you know, says he hates when I say that, but mm. he, he kind of smiles a little <laughs> bit, so. <laughs> but, yeah, headphones. Um, sorry, what's up? Yeah, so um, you've been bouncing around. You were on the drums. Mm-hmm. When I first saw you play, you were you were rocking out on the drums and belting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, now you're, then did, did you go to the bass right away after that? Um... No, there was a short, well, I'm not, yeah, there's a little bit of guitar in between. Okay. There's everyone, that's another cool thing about the band, there's a lot of multi-instrumentalists, did I say that right, Um, in the group, so there's been a couple switches just uh, over time trying to see what works best, so I grew up being a drummer predominantly, and uh, for what, you know, felt comfortable, it's always, for us, it was hard to find a drummer that fit and can sell it. Yeah. And this isn't uh, by any means tooting my own horn. It is just I grew up being the drums, and it felt, okay, well, if that's the hardest thing to find, I'll just do that, yeah. and we could at least move forward with, you know, other people on there. So I was doing that for quite some time, but, that, you know, it's cool. Oh, vocals and drums, but it lacks that front man thing. Mm-hmm. So then we tried other things out, and, uh, you know, I eventually wound up on, on bass. Um, and I got to say I enjoy that the most because it's kind of the best of both worlds yeah, for me um, as I become more and more of a bass player. Um, you know, you still have a say in the rhythm section. You're part of the rhythm section, and you're up front. So you could be that front man thing, too, if that's what you're trying to do, which I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoy it. And now, you know, like I was telling you earlier, it's like you pick up a guitar and you're like, shit, I can't let that go. I'm going <laughs> to pick up the guitar more. So, yeah. What, do Jack you, of all trades, master of none. When you write songs, do you, would you say you write on the guitar or on piano, or does it in your head? Uh, no, no, it's not. It's not in my head. I mean, I have melodies and whatnot in my head throughout, but I'll just lose them throughout the day. If I have an instrument in my hand, typically I'd say I write on the guitar, but maybe thirty, forty percent on the piano or keyboards of some sort, mm. um, which is cool because they turn into different style songs. But going forward, um, or actually to note, you know, being a drummer, I'm always trying to think of, I don't know, it's, I, I write rather rhythmically, I guess, yeah. for lack of, so I kind of want to um, get back to a place that I used to just experiment with, whereas like, uh, just start with drums and see what, ha- you know, um, there's not even, oh, that's a cool beat, let's do that for X amount of bars and just try and, because I think, you know, guitar writing on a guitar for me, songs are going to come out leaning a certain way. Yeah. Um, and a lot of full chords. There's already a lot of those notes are taken up. If there's a six-piece band, I want to leave more space and not have 
a lot of the notes already taken care of on one instrument, um, which is a lot of our songs in the past. In piano, I feel the same way. Um, so in the future, I think, you know, if piano and guitar are creating certain types of songs, just the same for drums. Yeah. And I think there'll be more, you know, a different feel to them. It'd be, it'd be cool to get back to that, because when I used to head to my brother's, he had recording stuff before me. Um, it was very free in the sense of just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Boop, 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 and there's a little drum loop, and let's make some weird stuff over it and see what happens. And, yeah, you know. I, I think the first thing I, I really started recording palatable things on was uh, through Ableton. Okay, for sure. And they had, like, the coolest chopping effects and stuff, uh -huh. and I remember I was, like, really into rap. Yeah. And I had Ableton and Reason. Okay. And it was that same thing. It was just like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. This mm -hmm. was like my first really musical, like, trying to make something like that. Um, outside of just the, I did an album called First Steps, and that was just me. First Steps? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Damn you. Yeah. <laughs> well, was, our album's called Steps. <laughs> yeah. No. That was in, like, 2007. He beat us. And <laughs> but but it's nice having that freedom of like I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna loop mm -hmm. this and think it about it from the arrangement and uh, and like rhythmic point of view. Like, totally. do I want people to dance to this? Do I want people to trance to this? Do mm -hmm. I want people to? Are the words more important? Like, mm -hmm. What do we, what do I want? Like, I, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to make dance songs lately because. I have a lot that I want to say, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of times it's hard for me to say it the way I want to say it when there's a boots, boots, you know, behind it, or okay. something like really upbeat. Sometimes it's hard for me to. So you, you're trying to like I got soul wasn't written on a guitar. Okay, Is that like... started in my brain and that came out like interesting. That came out where like, just like the hook melody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That just came out of my brain, and that formed the whole song. Interesting. I've heard Bob Dylan say he can't really write on the guitar. Like, it doesn't really inspire huh. him. And I'm like, well, how did you... That's all you played. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I get that. I think that's maybe why I try and switch around, because, uh, you know, you don't want to find yourself doing the same types of things, or, you know, I, I don't know. Um, so it's easy easier to do that switching instruments or whatever. But I, I do like the idea of writing on drums or, you know, for me, it, I don't know, writing's like I'll have a lyric or a melody come to my head. The melodies, I almost just let them go because of whatever. Maybe I should use that voice memo thing and record that. And yeah. You know, I want to experiment with different things and see what works. Um, lyrics, if I get a phrase in my head that I think, ooh, that's kind of lyrical, I will use, you know, jot it down on notepad. Um, and maybe if I feel inspired and I'm behind an instrument, um, I'll pull it up and that might be the starting block for a larger idea or something. But typically, um, I, I'm coming up with the lyrics and the song at the same time, which, I don't know, um, it's a process, and it's kind of, it, if it doesn't happen in one session, it, you know, at least in, when I was younger, if it didn't, wasn't completed in one writing session, it was like, eh, it probably won't live to see the light of day. So at first I'd take, get used to, uh, returning to an idea and trying to capture the same vibe or, you know, maybe flip it on its head or whatever. But uh, I, I, I'm interested going forward in all different manners of songwriting. Yeah, I've, I've actually probably had multiple songs that have mm -hmm. just been reborn. Like, like, I've tried to go back to them, like, five times and mm -hmm. then, like, 
sixth time or whatever. It's totally. just like, oh, you know, that works with this thing I just did. Okay. Oh, and then it shifts the beat a little bit, and then you're like, that's what this was supposed to be. For sure. You yeah, know, there's so something you, in there. Voice memos are awesome. Do you use it for melodies like that? Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I'll, and the, the hilarious thing is sometimes I won't title the voice memo. Uh oh. And that almost lets me know later that it wasn't that good. <laughs> but for some reason, I don't delete them. So it's a hoarding thing. When you're, uh, yeah, I got, yeah, <laughs> got that problem a little bit too. Um, when you are doing that voice memo, are you scatting, or are you you have words in your head and you fill them in, or or you just fill it in later? Would you say? Uh, yeah, I sometimes will have a guitar with me when I'm doing it, uh -huh. or sometimes I'll just like I'll be like. Yeah, let us say, you know, and then like uh -huh. I'll like kind of like give the idea of what the drum I was thinking, uh -huh. give the idea of what the bass was about to do. Sometimes I'll like give like three little snippets, and then later it's like I have to be like, okay, from that crappy recording that I just <laughs> did, what was I talking about? And yes. sometimes I can pull it back out. Like I, uh -huh. inspiration strikes a lot of times when you yeah. don't have time. Totally right. <laughs> That's almost frustrating. Yeah. You're like late at night, you got to get up really early, and you're uh, like, damn, I got this idea. And, and sometimes, like, you can't get across the idea unless if you're loud. Uh, yeah, I've for sure. been to it's public to place, right and now. I got to, like, go to the bathroom really quick to not, like, be, like, in the middle of, like, a restaurant, like, trying to do this quick. Or, like, <laughs> you know, you got to step outside if it's nice out, and just, like, people are look, looking at you while you're, like, singing something into your phone really uh -huh. quick like uh -huh, gotta capture this before I forget it oh blast there's something on the radio overhead just get out of my uh, head yeah I gotta get it <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall when you run into the bathroom stall and start beatboxing <laughs> like what the hell is this yeah guy? yeah are those farts or kick drums <laughs> no alright well uh yeah, so uh, probably get you set to play your song for us today what, for sure uh, give me one second yeah no problem all right, Matt, so what song do you got for us today, and why'd you pick it? Mm. Uh, this is a song called A Tap on the Shoulder, A Punch in the Face, and uh, it is uh, Off Steps. Love so deep when you're 
Yeah, what's cool is, uh, you know, you'll hear that on the record and like, oh, that, that was clearly the acoustic version. There's a lot of harmonies. Emily, the little birds, killing it. We got that three-part harmony going. It's a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. So. Yeah, dude. So would you say that um, the whole album is mostly all the instruments on it or is it anything like really stripped down acoustic? Um, there's some stripped down songs, but none of them are like solo acoustic or anything like that. Yeah. No, I uh, have yet to be like. Did you write everything on there? Any co-writing going on? Yeah, um, there's definitely some co-writing in a lot of the vocals. You know, Jenna here um, and Emily Douglas. Uh, we were getting together quite a bit and just cranking stuff out. So I, I would have an idea in my head, but you know, um, I've always been more. I'm reluctant to consider myself a vocalist. I, I've always been like a singer. I can sing what I'm writing, you know? I'm not some R&B necessarily dude, and I'm not, I don't really have the ear for the subtle harmony. That's what is so impressive about Jenna, or like, say like barbershop yeah. quartets or whatever. It's, I'm always trying to listen to the guy who's like the least heard in that voice, and like, how is, my ear always wants to go to the predominant, mm -hmm. you know, note. Like, so, um, writing the harmonies and vocal stuff with them has been quite a treat. I could feel myself getting better that way too yeah um you know we all rub off on each other it's a, it's a really good experience um but uh what was the other part of that question i'm sorry was there another part of that question uh, i don't think there was uh well, so so that song was pretty much about uh <laughs> just the surprises of of growing up or um i i guess you could kind of you know simmer it down to that but i mean uh, you know the end like uh Every time you turn around, you're older, like a yeah. tap on the shoulder, more like a punch in the face. I guess, um, you know, it, that was written in moments of like, ooh. The first line is like, when keeping the faith and feeling crazy seem like the same thing. And I guess that's kind of like... 
that's where I was line. at. Oh, thank you. That's where I was at in in writing that song, or maybe even much of steps. You know, I think that's there's been a lot of things in our personal lives that have happened throughout this process too that have kind of you know bled into the album as far as uh, putting a little bit more of ourselves in it. So I think it's a very um, more exposing record or personal record. Things that I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if we had conversation, I'm being a smart ass or joking around saying stupid stuff. Um, in the songs, I guess, is kind of where I am a little more serious because that's at who wants to have serious conversations all the time. I'd rather yeah. just make fart jokes like earlier. Or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's what I'm finding about... Uh any of the new music that's coming out that mm -hmm. I really like, it's like, it's all really, really authentic stuff. Mm -hmm. It's nothing as, uh, I am so over the, like, trying to write a, a hit mm -hmm. well, mindset. Like, like if you can, if you have something that is authentic that you feel like could be a hit. That's great. All the power to you, because totally. it happens totally. all the time. Most but, definitely. But uh, if if you didn't even start off with trying to be authentic with it, mm -hmm. like it's like, dude, I do not want to listen to that at all. Yeah, no, I could listen to uh, pretty much any style of music. I, I'm really actually don't listen to that much rock music. Uh, it, it just because I don't know. I, I'm always trying to branch out, but uh, being authentic is is the, the main. Thing, like essential to if I'm going to enjoy it or not. There's things I can appreciate about most anything, but if it's going to actually stick in some sort of playlist or I'm going to go back to it and be inspired from it, it's it's coming from some sort of authentic place that yeah. I do or don't even relate with. I just can feel the awesome authenticity of it, you know. Um, so for me, I mean, Steps, uh, you know, there's no top 40 songs on it, but, you know, I, that's not a, like... I'm aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> They're all songs that are, I think, um, well, to a certain degree, kind of have a poppy sense to them. They're not like, you know, prog rock or some whatever, but uh, it's they're, they're coming from a real place rather than, like, this is the hook we need that's going to get everyone buying another drink. Well, yeah. I know, like, Arcade Fire never really had a hit. Exactly. But I freaking love Arcade totally. Fire. And, <laughs> and, and they, you know, are doing just as well as bands that do have hits, and it's mm. built on consistency and authenticity. And just, I mean, some of the artists I'm most inspired by, unfortunately, you know, uh, well, two that are in everyone's minds these days are, you know, David Bowie and Prince and whatnot, but, like, it's not even so much that, like, I can go through their whole catalog and tell you every little thing. It's more like what they were, that they just did what they wanted and people followed. So, like, eventually you became, got a fan base that expected you and anticipated you to just keep changing, as we yeah. all do anyways. Isn't that the best? I, that, I, that's the best because you, mm -hmm. you like, you, it sucks when people expect things of you. Mm -hmm. And it's it is an amazing thing if you can work up just a constant like I'm bored, but that's okay because everybody else is too. So we can just change it over and yeah, over and get well, down with it. I mean, as people were changing all the time, I think it would make sense that our music does. And I mean, as a music lover, I I can't understand just having your ten go to bands, yeah. you know, and you know what thirty albums altogether, whatever it is. Like for me, you know. What you asked earlier about influences, and I was thinking in my mind to clarify, like, between influences, maybe what the band comes out sounding like, yeah. and what am I listening to now, or have I been Those inspired Those are two by? different questions. Totally, yeah, because, I mean, the only really rock band 
that I've been like, whoa. I mean, I still, you know, love all that stuff. It's just what I find myself listening to is white denim. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They are brilliant, man. I've got I mean, to listen to that. I feel like I've heard a song from them before on like a, on like a Discover Weekly or something. Okay. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm late to the game on this one, too, for, you know, real indie rock dudes yeah. out there, but uh, or whatever you want to call it. But, um, man, they just... Uh, and what I love about them is, like, you'll have a five-minute song that's totally you know, sounds like it's coming from a real place and goes a bunch of different places. It's progressive, but it's not like, you know, specifically anti-pop to where like majority of people can't kind of catch what's going on. It's just very well written, very well arranged. And I don't think a band that does that or any of the artists that we've mentioned earlier um, go into writing thinking that. Otherwise, it's going to sound like contrived or whatever, you know. Um, It's just following the idea and seeing what happens and reworking it and reworking it or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that's why I feel like it's almost a duty to listen to a bunch of different shit because it's all going to spill into what you're doing. If you're only yeah. pulling from... Oh, even even Elton John. Uh-huh. Well, I, I've One of the number one things that honestly is just added to my happiness in life uh-huh. is looking up interviews of all the artists that I love. Totally. Because I want and I don't want to like, I want to know where their heads at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when they're making that music, and it's nice to hear how uh, how how much they can step outside of themselves and just say like you know, I'm you know I'm the I'm the spout for it all you know. I just wrote a song called Spicket. Okay, that's about just like you know. People, I've been told like, oh, that's that sounds like this, or oh, you must like this because it sounds exactly like that. It's like, no, man, I'm pulling from the same ether that they were pulling from, mm-hmm. except now I've had like this many years of artists come by that have also spilled through that, and totally. like, there's still stuff out there, and I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, don't I, know. I can note like game changing albums throughout my life that I might not listen to that much anymore, but if I were to say, like, most important albums or whatever, some silly list, um, and not many of them are straight-up rock bands. I mean, uh, you know, I really, I don't know, years and years ago just fell in love with everything Paul Simon was doing as far as the incorporating... I mean, he was like my baby steps, uh, baby step into world music. Um, just because, you know, he was West, probably, he was more accessible at the time. A lot of totally right. The Western world. Yeah, for sure. What, a, what, a you know, um, so Rhythm of the Saints, Graceland, a lot of those albums were just mind blowing to me and still our go-tos. But, uh, I've tried to growing up a drummer that, that clicked and made sense. I, I wanted to, like, Ooh, let's, I love that heavy percussion sound or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, past stuff has, has leaned that way. And, um, you know, we're this whole time talking about the evolution of your writing or changing all that kind of stuff. Um, going forward, I think it will be a test to myself to remain as minimal as possible. And I've come to admire, uh, you know, different things of different songs that I may not have appreciated at 20 or whatever. Say, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Jailhouse Rock, Elvis. Literally listen to that. I mean, half of what makes it that is the space in it. 
and just the room and the crackle. It's not like loaded, your speakers aren't loaded with a bunch of notes and things going on. And I think in, in my writing, I've always uh, never necessarily knew like when do you say something's done? You know, there's always like, yeah, I could keep, I could add a little, ooh, if we layer that. Yeah. I want to test myself and just limit, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, too many choices is almost worse than not enough choices. I'd rather have, we know we got 12 tracks or whatever, make it work. And we have yet to necessarily do that. So yeah. I'm kind of talking out of my ass here. But going forward, I'd like to put limits on ourselves that, that uh, you know, are going to make something, a different product in the end. You know, and then maybe later bounce back to a heavily layered textured album or, you know, just have the freedom to do what you want creatively when you want to do it. And I think if you were to become successful that way, uh, it's probably a slower burning process, you know, because you're bouncing back and forth. You're, you're not going for that top 40 necessarily. You're not, you know, people don't necessarily know what to expect. They know to expect uh, I, I think something different. I think the top 40 is like somewhat of a, a loaded thing. I think that it uh, it also comes with a complete change in lifestyle, mm -hmm. too. Like, if that's what you want, like, this is more of, like, a business corporate mm -hmm. endeavor than just a musician doing totally. it. Like, if you're going to be in the top 40, I am, I feel like it's, like, just the same way a politician can't get to the you know, the Without White House unless they have dirt. millions of dollars. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, let's face it, I'm also almost 30 and have a receding hairline, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but, I mean, uh, Bill Withers freaking started hitting it when he was, like, 38. For sure, but, I mean, Bill Withers, would he be top 40 right now in today's, I don't... Who knows? Who knows? Who but, knows? I mean, at 38, who, yeah, it's, either way. But, yeah. I was just making a joke about that. Yeah. Um, it's, not what, it's not necessarily what we do. And maybe later, I think it would be cool to uh, have the freedom to make an electronic album or a dance album or whatever. And That is a good point, though, man. Like, like there's something about pioneering, too, mm -hmm. that, like, maybe there were a bunch of people that could have written comparable stuff to Bill and maybe even sounded like him, but, like... Mm -hmm. Maybe he just struck a chord for like the first time in in room like rememberable history, you know, like that. Like it just worked. I I don't know what what do you think about moving forward? Like it sounds good. Do you think that like there there's gonna be any more new chords struck? Like dubstep seemed like the most far out thing that happens lately. Like as on a far mainstream as, level, as far as like a new sounding thing. Well, I think. I think it's hard to necessarily tell when you're in it. Yeah. So, like, I think, of course, naturally, there's going to be news things coming up. It, and, and it's easier to tell maybe after the fact. Like, um, if you listen to mainstream hip-hop or rap right now, um, it's still called mainstream hip-hop or rap or whatever, but it's definitely different than what Way was... Different. Yeah. Or, con you know, country or... So, and those are maybe very mainstream examples, but, yeah. like, uh, heavy metal isn't... I mean, it's still called heavy metal, but that's not heavy metal that I grew up, you know, I mean, what I grew up is now like classic rock, Iron Maiden or something, yeah, you know, it's that's like, so that's weird. right, you that's know, so weird. just the style of things. And, you know, um, I think as, as cultures continue to mesh and create yeah. new things and just styles of music, you hear a lot more, I don't know, uh, last summer I noticed a lot more um, very different style production with um, 
say the top 40, like Justin Bieber's or yeah. whatever, and that they were incorporating like uh, pan flute in a song, They're, yeah. you know, or like these world, ins- whereas say in 2007, it might've been like very saw wavy synthesizers or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But well, I think there's just so much technology and now it's like, well, gosh, you know, mm-hmm. it, we pretty much don't, uh, we don't have a game plan anymore. Now it's just like whatever goes, but we can like take like that old soul sound if we feel like it, or we can take like a freaking, you know, we, we can take an old sound and reinvent it with all the technology we have nowadays and just the crispness of recording quality. Totally. Well, what's cool is as, you know, things go forward, you know, there's more, there's probably, well, I, I would guess for sure there's more art and music out there now than there was, say, with, like, Bill Withers' time. Yeah. Everyone, we can do what we're doing right now in, in your bedroom, you know what I mean? Uh, or wherever. Um, so, and, and there's a longer history to pull from. If you're writing in the 70s, if you're pulling music from 40 years ago, you're playing, like, Glenn Miller, 1930s. So weird. Yeah, you didn't really have... All those styles of music were a lot younger, so there was less to pull from. I think now it's kind of cool, you know, maybe if you might say jazz is becoming kind of like a a dinosaur of sorts or whatever, but, like, there's still a place for the blues. There's still a place for Mm -hmm. soul music. It's just not going to come out sounding like Muddy Waters or The Temptations. It's just had decades to change, and recordings changed, cultures changed, language, you know... um, but Amy Winehouse, Black Keys, all these things are well, clearly cut from that. Gary Clark Jr. was like, everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh, he's bringing back the blues. It's like, yeah. no, he's just playing the blues, and you guys still like it. Yes. And you forgot that it, you liked it, maybe? There's a... Well, and, I mean... Sturgill Simpson. Reminds with his you. country. It's totally. Like, it's like, it was, well, his first album, you know, Matter Matter Sounds. Uh-huh. Like, it's like, oh, there's that old school, co- oh, we sure. love that, yeah, you know, yeah. but, oh, there's a Jimi Hendrix sounding guitar, and we love that, too. <laughs> Reminds you of something different, or something old school, for sure. I mean, that postmodern jukebox, they're, you're familiar with them on Facebook and all that? Uh, they're blowing up as a, I, I guess you'd call it a cover group, because they're covering music, but they fully arrange it and reinterpret it, so they'll be like, um, you should really check it out. As a musician, your mind would be... Is that what... I think I saw Emily post about yeah, you submitting yeah. to that. Ch- check out that group, man. They'll they'll take any sort of hit song that everyone's talking about from the huh. last ten years and be like, "This is it." Interpreted it if it came out in nineteen twenty nine. Oh, that's and cool. And they just got this rotation of, you know, top notch players and singers, and um, it's cool because they're doing the what's happening now. But there, you could see clearly there's a place for that nostalgic. 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever kind of vibe they want to interpret it in. They're selling out arenas around the world as a cover. No way. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, and, and and you check them out and you're like, oh, that's why. Because it's it's no joke. They're clearly. But uh, I think, I think uh, you know, as things move forward, that's really awesome because it's going to make people appreciate the shit from before. Now we all listen to music on our phones and that's really great, really convenient. I do it all, all the day, all day. Yeah. But on the counter, you got people who are now like really appreciate records, you know. Um, yeah, like the old records are selling better than the new ones, you know. Right. It's, it's kind of. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I I hope. Uh, 
you can you can only hope for a, a little golden age for the indie artist. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only hope for it. Well, it seems like now. I mean, you know, with steps even on the record we're gonna do or putting out shortly, it's like, um, do we still want to print CDs? I don't know. Do, it seems kind of archaic, but it also is in that stage where it would feel silly to maybe not have them available at a show. It's like, people. Who I'll tell you what, people just want something. Yeah, so whether it be, I, I feel like in the future, maybe you see other groups, they release it digitally and they release it on vinyl because they figure if you're buying still a physical copy, it's probably because you're yeah. you know, into that. Totally. And otherwise, the majority of people are just cool with, I mean, a CD is going to get cracked, lost, whatever. And shit, cars don't even have CD players half the time anymore, right? Yeah. So. But anyways, man, uh, any... Anything you'd like to tell the people of the world, the millions tuning um, in today? Be good. No. Um, yeah, thanks for, for listening. And uh, check us out at Oblio and Arrow uh, on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. New album coming out. We'll be posting about shows. And, uh, yeah, stay cool. Keep, uh, keep up the music.